Today on the show, we talk about slumps and even slump busters. We then bring in the incomparable Glenn Merzer, who wows us with a story about the Hoth. And then Sarah brings us news on some beer and ribs that are fit for plant-based royalty. But first, let me tell you about Next Wave. Yep, Next Wave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. Next Wave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. Next Wave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all the the time. Get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com, founded in 1998, which is as long as I have been married. That is a long, long time. It is Next Wave Services. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily deep dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food, all with a plant-based spin. I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and the rest, here's a man who always has a plant-based plan before leaving the house, Rich Reynolds. Hello, hello, and welcome on into the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. Hopefully today is going to go better than yesterday. Actually, the show was really good. Just the editing was a friggin' nightmare for me, but enough about that. Let's introduce Sarah Carlson, who is with us today. Hi, Sarah. I'm loving the hoop earrings. Looking good. good. Looking good in the hoop. sassy today, I think. Yeah, I like it. Yep. I'll go with sassy. The bigger the hoops... The cheaper hey. the woman. Is that how it works? Oh. Is there? Is that like a? What was? Wait. What did you say? The, the bigger, bigger the, hoops. the hoops. The bigger the hoops, the cheaper the woman. Or is it the easier uh, the woman? Which that, way does it go? There's, I heard there's, it a different way. There's the, the, there's hope? a ratio. Careful. Yeah, yeah. You can't say that. <laughs> bigger on the this hoops. Show. I don't know. <laughs> the bigger hoops. the hoops, the bigger the hoe. Is that is That's that what you're what talking about? I've I've heard that as well. So so there we go. I was trying to say it in a more family friendly way, and then I forgot that we're not on a family friendly show necessarily all of the time. So there's Sarah over there. You can find her at News Sarah, and then Eric Rogers is over there. Mitha Raja. Um, Mitha Raja. And, yeah. What what T-shirt are you wearing? By this the way, is there? old Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. All right. Nice. I love it. Wow. I've worn Lincoln Park shirts in forever. Showing off his Lincoln Park love. You can find him at, at Eric Rogers Brand. Uh, I am adorned today in a Cubs jersey. You can find me at RMEP Rich. Um, I'm wearing the Cubs jersey because the Cubs today are playing in the Field of Dreams game against the Cincinnati Reds. How about a matchup in that one, huh? The lowly yeah. Cubs take on the lackluster Cincinnati Reds in a a battle in a cornfield that people are going to wish they did not attend because well, it gives something for the broadcasters game. to talk about. I guess the the actual cornfield is more exciting than the game that's yeah. going to be going on in uh, the Field of Dreams. Again, one of my least favorite movies of all time, especially when, when it comes to sports. There's so many better baseball movies, and I guess I'm probably just leading with this because I'm a little bit salty. So last night, my son was in the lineup again for the Mallards. And he has been having a hard go of it lately. 
So he's on an 0 for 9 slump. He did get a walk and, and he scored and all of that, but he's seeing the ball well. He's hitting the ball okay, but he's hitting it at people. Or he'll hit it deep and not get all of it. And pitches that he's used to crushing, he's not crushing. So he's in a slump. But the, this latest slump kind of extends back almost like a full year. So even though he had a really good college season and was first team all region, it wasn't up to like his standards and he thought he was going to do a lot better. And last night he came home and my wife like beat him home and said, listen, she goes, Joey's in a really bad mood. And I'm like, well, I mean, over four with a walk and a run scored, it's not the biggest deal in the world. You know, he'll be all right. She goes, no, he didn't want to talk to anybody. He was really upset. He left the ballpark upset. He got home. The kid, I mean, he had some food, didn't want to eat. He was totally withdrawn. And if, if you know Joey at all, that's not like him at all. He's like happy-go-lucky, laid back all the time. And it nearly broke my heart as I was standing in front of him to see him like that. And I'm just trying to tell him, like, I'm trying to do, like, the dad thing and give him sage words of wisdom and basically tell him it's just a slump. It's just a slump. You'll get out of it. Every baseball player goes through slumps. But he was inconsolable. And he woke up this morning, and he was in the same mood. And, again, I mean, I could feel my heart breaking and i'm sure i'm not the only parent in the world um that has seen their kid down and and you instantly think man i wish i could just take all that away from them like i would take that pain and whatever they're feeling away from them so they don't have to experience any of it but i'm i know it's good for him to go through i know it's going to make him stronger i think it'll eventually make him a better baseball player but slumps suck i mean whether it is sports or whether it's life if you're in a slump, there's a lot of times where you feel like you cannot get out of the slump. Now, famously, Mark Grace, who also used to wear a Chicago Cubs jersey, talked about slump busters. And have you ever heard this term before, Sarah, a slump buster? No. No. Okay. Sarah's a good girl. Sarah hasn't heard about slump busters. Eric, you know all about slump busters, don't you? I have heard of this term, yes. Okay. I'm familiar. So Mark Grace was a first baseman for the Chicago Cubs. He was he was like my favorite player uh, for a while there. He actually led the all the Major League Baseball players in the 90s with doubles. He was a doubles hitter, gap to gap, really good defensive first baseman, and a good player. And he had like a really good outgoing personality. I mean, he still does, he, and, he, and he does broadcasting and all that. Um, and, in fact, when we lived in Arizona, my son played on Mark Grace Field in Flagstaff. He's from Arizona, and he's got like, you know, a following there. But anyways, um, going back to Mark Grace, they do an interview with Mark Grace about being in a slump, and he talks about slump busters. So slump buster basically means that, so say you're a baseball player, and this is going to come off as totally misogynistic, I think. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I you're, already you're ready, I sir? You're, you're, okay. you're bracing yourself for this? All right. Mm -hmm. So a slump buster is when you take a girl who, let's say, is less than what people would usually call attractive. Is that a nice, safe way to put it? So... One who doesn't meet Barbie standards, and uh, oh you spend the night with her, and that'll break the slump. That was Mark Grace's thought on how you break a slump. Sarah's got that look in her eyes. The eyebrow thing is is happening here. And There's the feminist <laughs> in me is going to try not to give you the finger, it's because eventually this will be 
uh, videotaped as well. And I know it's not you who made it up. It's not me. Eric had heard of it before. It's a guy thing. And it's ridiculous. No. See, now, I used to be. I will say. Yeah, go ahead. No, it is ridiculous. Blockbuster isn't ridiculous. Something that you do isn't, but. That, that is form just... of slump buster is ridiculous. And yeah. I'll tell you why. For me, that would not work because I would just feel worse about myself for having right. done something with somebody I don't care about. Listen, or it's thank not you. like I, I used up to, to have... the standards like Joey's talking about, you know. All right. One so so one night stands. Let's let, let's talk about that because that's basically what, what he's talking about here is having a, a one night stand. All right. I was horrible. At one night stands because I, I I would like so say you're out with your buddies and your buddy gets a girl another buddy gets a girl and then you're magically linked to another girl okay and you're in the same house or whatever now you find the both of you sitting on a couch and there's real pressure it used to feel like like okay I got to do something here but I would always be like hey so where where are you from what do you do you got any siblings I'm, I'm into talking mode and wanting to find out about the girl and no. yeah and and I think. <laughs> I really think that I ruined a lot of girls' nights that way. Um, you know, not like I was going to make it any better by taking them to bed, uh, but I think yeah. I made it worse because I think that me I give her a couple yeah, minutes. Well, of I, I started getting this, the, the, this complex because a girl actually told me you're going to make that girl feel worse about herself if you don't at least try something. And I'm like, really? Is that really how it works? No, I don't think that's no, true. No, see, because... I've never done that, by the way, number never one. Never had a one-night stand? No. Wow, you are well, a I'm good not girl. Just being, that, I'm, not, I'm not just being... Uh, uh, what is the word? A prude? Proper or phony Prudish. at all. I'm just seriously not my, my yeah. gig. Never did and, that. And that's all right. And I always thought it was like the worst thing because I would have this in my mind, like, okay... This is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's, um, you know, uh, sister. This is somebody's granddaughter. This is somebody's, I, you know, I, I'm like, you can't treat people like that. And I'm not going to treat them, you know, just as a sexual object. So I always wanted to talk to the girls, but then I got yelled at by another girl. How holier no, than No, no, I'm not even rich. trying to be that way. I'm not saying I've never had a one night stand. I've had them. I was in the army. I worked at Noah's Ark uh, water park, uh, when I was in college. Uh, there, I mean, come on. There, there were girls everywhere. <laughs> you know, I worked as a bartender in, in Wisconsin Dells for years. I mean, there's nothing but tourists that oh, are trying. To have, and they used to use the same line all the time. There'd be girls that would come to the bar, and they'd be like, "Yeah, I'm from Chicago, and I just want to make this a memorable trip. So, uh, can we get together?" And, hmm. and I, I used to think, "Well, no, I'm not going to take advantage of them like that." And then I was thinking, you know, I, I don't want them to feel bad about themselves, so I guess I'm going to have to take one for the team. And <laughs> what a stand-up guy! <laughs> okay, so I'm always trying to be a stand-up guy. Let's talk about slump busting. Yeah, so back to slump busting. That's uh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. What, what what did you want to talk about as far as slump busters, Sarah? No, I, honestly, it has nothing to do with anything you brought up so far, baseball or yeah, your your. Past. I have not. I will not judge either. By the way, I'm not judgmental about it. I'm just kind of holding my breath, like, oh wow, here we go. Well, I, I have not given my <laughs> son that advice. I, I've not. Yeah. Okay, so I recently read a book. Maybe you've heard of it called Atomic Habits hmm. by James Clear, and it's. Kind of, I wouldn't call it a book about slump busters, but it's about how, you know, people always say, oh, I wish I was a little more neat or I wish I had more water during the day or I wish I ate less meat. 
Hint, hint, Eric. <laughs> um, and it talks about it, it talks about baby steps. Now, I know a slump in a sport or let's say in a profession where you're making a lot of mistakes or something might be a little different, but the purpose is to tell yourself, if I change a teeny little bit, the math of it is astronomical. So I love that book. Recommend it to everybody. Everybody. Because I did start drinking water, like leave water on your nightstand so you wake up and drink it and don't chug it just before bed. Um, if you want to exercise more, do not try to exercise five times that week. Not going to make it. So if you're in a slump, if your boy is in a slump in baseball, um, let him have a couple bad days and then say, you know, what can we do that's small? Right. And see, and see that I, I think that was a mistake that I made last night because knowing that he was in a slump, knowing the mood he was in, and then I start like, okay, so what's the solution? And that's always like a dad thing. Like, okay, let's, let's figure this out now. Okay. And we'll, and he didn't want to hear it. That, that's not what he wanted last night. You know, he just wanted a hug and to go to bed. And I, I gave him one of those too. And, uh, but he, he he's down. I'm not going to recommend the slump buster, although he knows about it. He asked me about that interview and about Mark Grace and about slump busting. I'm like, listen, you're you're over 18. You could do what you want. I wouldn't recommend it. That's I, I don't know if that's the way um, to go. But baseball players do strange things and they believe in strange things. And I'm not sure how it's going to go, but I, I hope with all my heart that dude can just get out of this slump because I, I know what it's like to go through and I know it sucks and it's breaking my heart uh, right now. So there it is. That's where I'm at right now. Kind of like, yeah. Well, and like Sarah said, I mean, I, I was going to reference a book too. So those who are watching this uh, on YouTube or, or, you know, wherever else are seeing the video portion of the podcast have probably noticed a little book on the table behind me that I've had there every time. It's about self-coaching. And in the book, if I can flip to it quick, is a diagram about the joy cycle and the spin cycle of negative mm. thoughts. And in there, it basically says, you know, it starts with, uh, you know, something that happens like a circumstance. And then it starts with that mental, you know, like, what is the thought? And then the thought becomes a feeling, the feeling becomes an action, and the action becomes, uh, you know, basically the, the reality of, of the situation. So you just have to interrupt that cycle with some sort of positive thought, which is obviously a lot easier to said than done in a lot of times. But have either of you seen the Ted Lasso? No, that show? And everybody recommends oh, it. Oh, love yeah. Ted. Okay. So that show is Ted. a heck of a lot more <laughs> than sports to me because there are so many things in there that are so like real life. There's stuff about divorce and not loving soccer anymore and – uh, relationships and it's just uh, a lot of good advice as well. And in that, there's a player who ends up, he's just not having a good time anymore. He's a captain of the soccer team and people are noticing he's really down. And another one of the players who's now a coach comes to him and basically reminds him why he loved soccer in the first place. So go and do something fun. He takes him out to a, a field he used to play at when he was growing up and just have fun with some of the people in the park. And I think that's another, like I said, a, a thing that sounds simple and might not work for everybody, but just get to something that reminds you why you are doing the thing. Well, you're there doing you go. We're going to have to bring place. this full circle. I'm going to have to play catch with him just like Field of Dreams, having a catch with dad, and maybe that'll bring him out of the slump. I sure hope so, and I'm so glad you guys brought up books because we got an author 
Coming up next, Glenn Merzer is going to join us and talk about his book. It's called Food is Climate and a whole bunch of other things, including the Hoff. He's got a David Hasselhoff story that I think is really, really good. So stick around. We're going to talk with Glenn next. All right, I've got something that I think is pretty cool to tell you about right now, and that is our partnership with Paul's Party. That's right. The Real Men Eat Plants podcast has teamed up with Paul's Party, a charity that funds FUN, and that's F-U-N, all capitalized, for kids with physical disabilities. Now, here's how it works. Just go to our website, realmeneatplants.com, and click on the link for our Paul's Party fundraiser. All through the month of August, we are splitting funds 50-50 with this awesome charity. Your contribution of six bucks will help pay for the costs of our very fine podcast, as well as raise some serious coin for Paul's party. Now, Paul was a great kid who passed away at the age of 15, but his mom wanted to remember him by having a party on the anniversary of his death to help raise money for local charities. Well, they ended up bringing in over $15,000, and with that, a new 501c3 was born. Paul's party does some amazing events like Paul Palooza, which is Sunday, August the 28th at the beautiful Wisconsin Brewing Company in Verona, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's going to be bands there all day long, great food, and some delicious Wisconsin Brewing Company beer. You got to like that. Now, I would like to present them a big, fat, oversized check with a generous donation courtesy of our podcast subscribers on that day. Again, just go to our podcast page on realmeneatplants.com or click on the link or go even to patreon.com and type realmeneatplants into the search and give today. Thank you so much for your support and a special thanks to Kathy, Paul's mom, for making all of this possible. All right, our guest today is an author, a playwright, a speaker, a stand-up comedian, and a screenwriter who is here today to discuss his latest book, Food is Climate, and hopefully discuss some David Hasselhoff as well. Yes, please welcome to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, Glenn Merzer. And Glenn, thank you so much for being with us. And the reason why I bring up David Hasselhoff, it, it, it's kind of funny. I was talking with Glenn earlier this week by phone. I reached out to him to be a guest. He gave me a call. I called him back because I, I missed his call as I often miss calls. And uh, we started talking about the fact that Alexandra Paul was on our program earlier this week and that she was from Baywatch. Watch. And Glenn has got himself a Baywatch David Hasselhoff story that I'm going to have to force you to share uh, because Glenn, <laughs> I, I I loved it. If, if we, you we could indulge us, please. Together. Yeah, look at that. Sure. Well, th thank you, Rich, and it's great to be here with all of you. Um, the David Hasselhoff story is just basically this: that I had been a screenwriter for you know 25 years or more. And David Hasselhoff ended my screenwriting career. And I don't even think he knows it, but he ended my career. And the reason is this. I have a producer friend in Hollywood who called me about a year and a half, two years ago. And he said, Glenn, there's a guy who wants to make a low-budget movie. He's got the funds. This is definitely a go. He just needs a good story. He has a house. Uh, in uh, in Southern California that's filled up with influencers, you know, TikTokers, young women who twerk, I don't know what they do. And so they're going to be like a half dozen of these young women influencers, and he just needs a story for them. And then we're going to film it and make a movie. So we need you to pitch this story 
tomorrow to the producer. Just come up with a story overnight. Oh, and one other thing. The producer is a good friend of David Hasselhoff. So work David into the story. And I said, and you need this tomorrow. Huh? Yeah, the, the Zoom is tomorrow. <laughs> so, all right. So I go to sleep. I have to come up with a story for six non-actor twerkers and David Hasselhoff. And I thought of this idea. What if... Um, David Hasselhoff is like an influencer coach, and he works individually with all six of these influencers. And one of them feels he's too hard driving, making her exercise too much. One of them feels he's too mean, he's too cold. He, I don't know. They all get angry at him for different reasons. And then he's poisoned to death. And then we have to figure out who killed him. So... I came up with the title, Killing Hasselhoff, and I pitched the movie the next day to the Zoom. The producer <laughs> loved it. Uh, my producer friend was happy. The guy with the money guy was happy. It looked like a go. He said, give me 24 hours to think about it. And the next day, my producer friend called me and said, Glenn, there's already a movie called Killing Hasselhoff. No. <laughs> yes. So when I realized, that there was already a movie called Killing Hasselhoff. I knew there were too many movies. I'm out. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> the end. So, the end of his screenwriting career. And, and you know what's what's terrible about it? I just saw the trailer for it. I haven't watched the movie yet. It's a Netflix movie, and it stars Ken Jeong and David Hasselhoff. And yeah, they have to murder David Hasselhoff. And what what are the odds of that, though? I mean, you know, in the entire universe. <laughs> There are too many movies. Yep. They're just, they're just <laughs> so when you were telling that story, I thought you were going to go like a Charlie's Angels route. But yeah, no. I like where you Every tried to go. Every movie has been made. Yep, absolutely. And, and I, I, I love that story, though. And thank you so much for, for sharing that. You know, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned at the top all of these things that you do, from author to playwright to, to screenwriter to all everything in, in between. If you were to define yourself, though, Glenn, if I had to pigeonhole you into one thing that you do, how would you define yourself? Well, that's a tough one, but probably, you know, I was a playwright first. And uh, there's nothing I love more than live theater. And unfortunately, now in the age of a pandemic, you know, I don't know when I'm going back to the theater. Imagine you go to the theater, it's a Broadway play, you're sitting right next to people and they start coughing. And then, you know, you don't know if you want to stay. So, um I don't know, but there's nothing I love more than the live theater, making people laugh out loud on purpose in the theater. You, you know that the actors on stage are hearing you laugh, you know, and there's this beautiful thing. Laugh, comedy doesn't work as well on film, you know. Uh, the actors can't hold for the laugh. So um, there's nothing I love more than the live theater. But having said that, so often I would go to the live theater and be bored to death. Right. <laughs> so there's that, yeah, too. there's that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so Glenn, I want to talk about your book. Your book, by the way, the, the newest one out, Food is Climate. I think you've written or co-authored at least, was it 11, 12 books, something like that, that have, like, vegan topics? Something like a dozen. Yeah. And yeah, I have a dozen books um, advocating the uh the vegan diet love it and then i have one that advocates cheeseburgers but we don't talk okay about 
So, so, so this book, and, and it's not very long. I believe maybe 59 pages, um, something yes. like that. And so the, the, the title might be longer than the book. Um, food is climate, a response to Al Gore, Bill Gates, Paul Hawken, and the conventional narrative on climate change. That is one heck of a title. It is a mouthful. And it's, it's kind of funny because you're writing about something that I never would have considered until a few years ago. I ended up, I stumbled upon on Netflix a movie called Cowspiracy. And in Cowspiracy, they, they tie in animal agriculture to global warming. And, and, and for the first time, you actually think like, oh my goodness, what I'm eating is affecting the world. Um, and that's basically what your book is about, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, you know, I'm trying to make the case. And, uh, you know, we haven't really penetrated the the major media. Uh, you know, I go on podcasts, not that you guys aren't major, but <laughs> I go on podcasts and, you know, I, uh, I write books. But uh, you won't hear what I'm saying now on NBC, ABC and CBS and uh you know, across the major cable stations. Animal agriculture is the leading cause of climate change. And I'll prove it to you in a few minutes' time. It's really obvious when you think about it. Animal agriculture affects more than 80% of the globe. The oceans are very sick, and the oceans have been made sick by industrial fishing. We, you know, we're losing the coral reefs, we're losing the fish, we're losing the whales. And it's, you know, it doesn't help that we have plastics in the ocean, but the main problem is industrial fishing. And in fact, they're also a cause of plastics in the ocean. So um, we have industrial fishing that is destroying the sea forest, destroying all the life in the ocean. That's 70% of the earth. So now what about the land? Well, close to 40% of the land, actually 43% of the land, more than 40% of the land, is given over to animal agriculture. 37% is grazed, and another 6% is used to raise, to grow feed for animals. So you're talking about 43% of the land and all the oceans being destroyed by the folly of eating animals. Now I say folly, and I know that Eric still eat some animals so uh, you know when i say folly eric you make it sound so bad <laughs> great great people make innocent mistakes so you know don't take it harsh but it we is a mistake innocent, but <laughs> yeah it is a mistake to eat animals and so when you think 83 percent of the earth is affected by this and then you think that animal agriculture when when the when the cows are grazed they're they're um, destroying the soil. They're, the, the forests are being cut down as the Amazon is being cut down today mm-hmm. to allow them to graze. And then they're belching methane. And then their waste uh, releases both methane, which is 120 times as potent as carbon dioxide, and nitrous oxide, which is 300 times as potent as carbon dioxide. Um, uh, these are the worst greenhouse gases. 
And then you think of carbon opportunity costs. This is what nobody takes into account uh, in the in mass media. Carbon opportunity cost is, well, what if we didn't have grazing? Well, then what could we do with 40% of the earth? Well, we could reforest. And when I say reforest, you don't have to get down and plant seeds. It'll come back. It's called rewilding. Just let the land, leave the land alone. The forests and the vegetation will come back. And enough of it will come back that we would reverse the climate crisis. Now, you can't do that. Think about it. If you, you know, this latest climate bill, and I'm glad it passed, but this latest climate bill just talks about energy generation and electric cars. And I drive a Volt. I drive on electric almost all the time. But you can't, you know, electric cars and solar panels, they don't sequester carbon dioxide. They don't bring it down. So global warming is a cumulative problem. We get more and more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere every year, another one or two parts per million every year. It's going to get to a point in 30, 40, 50 years, nobody knows exactly when, when it's going to be irreversible and we're gone. So if it's a cumulative problem, the only solution is to draw it down. Electric cars don't draw it down. They help because they're not adding as much more, although the building of the electric cars will take some fossil fuel. But you yeah, have and, to draw it down so, or, or we're finished. And the only way is to draw it down. Healthy oceans, more forests. That's it. It's case closed. There is no way to reverse this without moving to a global transformation towards a vegan diet. And I didn't mean to cut you off there, Glenn. So I'm glad you brought that up. I knew, you know, you as a plant-based person and uh, the books you've written would have some perspective on this. And I'm just kind of curious if we're talking about the possibility, let's just say, for example, everybody stopped eating beef. You know, what happens to the cow population, the environment, because, you know, you talked about the methane and things of that nature. So if we have more cows, will we have more cows? Does it even itself out? How does nature compensate if we stop eating beef? Right. I've heard different statistics on how many cows are in the world. I've heard 1.2 billion, 1.5 billion, 1.7 billion. Either way, that's at least 1.19 billion too many. <laughs> we don't need that many cows. Who made, you know, I think the statistic is that if you take the biomass of cows in the world, it's like 10 times the biomass of all other mammals combined. There's something ridiculous like that. Who said that this should be the planet of the cows? Who made this rule? There are too many cows. It's not even really a natural species. They were adapted from oxen, ancient oxen, to turn into something people like to eat that tastes fatty. Uh, I think it's crazy. I mean, why do we have a whole planet given over to cows? And is there anybody who gets hungry, who looks at a cow and says, Wow, I'm hungry. I just want to bite into that. <laughs> it isn't our food. It isn't human food. If you're hungry and you come home and you have an apple tree in your backyard, you might want to pluck one of those apples and bite into it. Have a cow in the backyard? Would you bite into it? It's crazy. So it isn't even our food. And we've created a planet that we've given over the landmass of it to cows and sheep and goats. Um, so 
you know, we don't need many. We don't really need any cows. We, don't need but we can yeah, have a few. A good, yeah. That's such a good question, Eric. And I, I have to tell you, Glenn, I have a I have teenagers, one of whom is a, a young lady who is also vegetarian for the most part. She's moved in that direction over the years. She's learned a lot. She listens to people like you and goes, huh, and then looks into it and goes, oh, boy. My son, on the other hand, I kid you not, before our podcast had two burgers. And I tell him, I'll say, oh, Ethan, come on. You know, at least how about one? because he's a, an athlete and he just came back from practice. How about one and I'll make you this or we'll have something else. And he just doesn't care. I hope someday, maybe it's just his age. What are we going to do? And we have all generations, a few here at least. How do you get people in that generation, especially who are going to absolutely need to stop eating so many, if not any at all? And not, I'm not asking for parental <laughs> advice because yeah. someday he's going to be out of the house and he makes his own choices. But how do we get more information, like you said, into the media? My $7 cauliflower, I think I saw that on your, it might have been your uh, website, but I look at a lot of them uh -huh. in the morning here, $7 for this cauliflower. And it's too much, but, you know, the beef is cheap, cheaper. Well, well, that gets to government policy because the government is subsidizing animal agriculture and they're not subsidizing fruits and vegetables. Um, though I do get my cauliflowers cheaper than seven dollars. <laughs> um, but um, uh, I'll say this, you know, it's hard to get to everybody and it's hard to get this message to the mainstream media. There's a new nonprofit called sustainableeartheating.org that's trying to help get the message out. My friend Silas Rao, who has a, a website, climatehealers.org, is trying to get the message out. Um, and, uh, and Silas, by the way, uh, has caused me a hernia, which I'm very upset about. Uh, here, here's why. Um, you know, I've been trying... Uh, for the last 20 years to make people realize that we are naturally herbivores, we should be vegans, we should eat a low-fat plant-based diet. And I've authored and co-authored a number of books. But I was doing my work at my own pace and kind of taking it easy. And hence, there are still billions of carnivores in the world. You know, I just, I wasn't in a rush. And then I met my new friend, Silas Rao of climatehealers.org, and he wrote the paper that I talk about in my book, Food is Climate. He wrote the paper that animal agriculture is the leading cause of climate change, and he is a systems engineer, so he gave, you know, this is a scientific paper that was peer-reviewed, and he gave all the evidence. And Silas believes that we need to turn the world vegan by the year 2026. Mm. It's only four years away. And, you know, so now I really had to hurry up four <laughs> years to turn the world vegan. That is a heavy lift. And I got a hernia. So. <laughs> <laughs> so hernia. Silas disc. is watching. So thanks a lot, pal.
Yeah, yeah, and, um, <laughs> a- absolutely. I hope he is too. And um, you, you know, you talk about him. You talk about um, you know books that, that that you've done. You've co-authored with some people. Howard Lyman is a name that that comes up. That's very interesting yeah. to me. And I'm not sure everybody knows the story about Howard. His time that he went on Oprah. What happened to him after that? Uh, the fact that you know he was a a cattleman from from Montana. I mean, this is a guy um, who has also famously said that it, you know you can't be an environmentalist and then eat meat. I mean, they, they, they just don't go together. If you could, when, when you did the book with Howard, what do, you, what do you take away from him? Because he was a guy that was at, at the crux of a lot of controversy, especially when he was on the Oprah Winfrey Show. Right. Uh, well, Howard Lyman and I did the book uh, Mad Cowboy, and that book came out right around the time that Howard and Oprah were together being sued by a bunch of deranged cattle ranchers in Texas. Oh, I forgot they are very litigious. I shouldn't call them deranged. (laughs) By some nice gentlemen in Texas with cowboy hats. And um, uh, so Howard and Oprah were sued because Howard talked on Oprah's show about mad cow disease and how at the time we were insanely feeding cows to cows. Cows are herbivores. They shouldn't be eating other cows. Um, Neither should we. And uh, so Howard talked about it, and Oprah said, that does it. I'm not going to have another hamburger. And some nice gentlemen in Texas who are in the cattle business seemed to feel that she didn't have a right to say that she's going to have another hamburger. Because in America, apparently, you're not allowed to say that you're not going to have another hamburger. So they sued Oprah and Howard for uh, costing them a lot of money when beef futures plummeted. (laughs) So uh, that trial went on, and Oprah had to bring her show from, uh, from, I think, Chicago, where she normally filmed it, to Amarillo, Texas. And so she did her show from Amarillo. Naturally, Howard and Oprah were vindicated of the charge of causing beef futures to rise by telling the truth. Um, and uh, so that, that was when Howard uh, went into the news, although most people at the time only knew that Oprah had been sued. They didn't know that Howard had been sued. Well, that's super interesting, uh, too, about you know, how that it's, uh, you know, affected everything, but the, I kind of want to touch on this topic because you had mentioned, you know, I'm an omnivore and I want to take this from sort of a devil's advocate perspective. Here. Good use of the and word devil. Is, uh, kind of a question more about diet than, uh, the environmental yeah. impact. So hopefully you can speak to this, but if not, that's fine. But as an omnivore, you know, and I'm not, necessarily the hugest fan of uh, leafy greens, some of it like kale, I'm not right. like big on. So obviously I'm going to have to get those nutrients from somewhere. And I think we can all agree that there's a difference in what Eric needs nutritionally than what Rich needs and Sarah and Glenn and everybody else. And then there's the food pyramid or the updated food pyramid that's uh, aimed at maybe a little more personalized diet. So how do you look at that when you are also talking about a plant-based diet entirely for environmental reasons. Thank you for the question, Eric. And by the way, um, you know, 
by the time I finish talking, I'm going to expect you to become a vegan. Okay. <laughs> oh God, he's he's swinging heavy right now. All I right. see it. All right, buddy. So here we go. Nutritionally, you know, we've had 70 years of, of nutritional studies that have been published, and there hasn't been one legitimate study that has ever found any benefit to eating flesh. Um, the one possible exception to that is there are studies that have shown that eating fish can reduce the, uh, the uh, sudden cardiac death. So you might hear headlines, fish is good for your heart. That is true, but in those studies, it was always because people who ate beef then substituted some fish for beef. So in other words, the only thing that proved is that fish is less bad for your heart than beef. It, there was no study that people substituted right. cauliflower, fish for cauliflower and did better. You know, it was only that... So when you hear that fish is good for your heart, better than beef, okay? That's all we know. So other than that, there have been no studies. It's never a study, you know, fried chicken is good for your liver or, you know, or roast beef helps your vision or there's nothing. There isn't one study for any animal flesh helping anything. And don't think they haven't tried. There's no study. Um, and, and, <laughs> We would have and heard the same about is basically true for dairy. I mean, there are some studies they've tried to stretch the truth and find some benefit for dairy, but even osteoporosis increases with dairy. So there's really nothing in dairy that helps. And there are hundreds of thousands of studies that flesh and dairy contribute to heart disease, to cancer, to uh, inflammation, to inflammatory diseases, to cancer, you know, it's just on and on. So there, first you got the scientific studies. Then if you have an understanding of, of uh, macronutrients, which are carbohydrate, fat, and protein, and I would add to that fiber. Every study on fiber says fiber is good for you. Every study. And, and more and more, they come up with more and more reasons why fiber is good for you. They, they're learning it all the time. Well, there's no fiber in animal foods. Fiber is plant foods. Um, uh, fat, we know that saturated fat contributes to heart disease. We also know you need some fat, but there are healthy plant fats, avocados, nuts, seeds, and so forth. Um, and so, um, and then people need water in their diet. A lot of people get dehydrated. Well, you're going to get more water from blueberries and watermelon and strawberries and apples. I mean, the weight of an apple is something like 95% water. So it's hard to drink eight glasses of water a day. But if you're eating fruits and vegetables, you're going to get much more water than if you eat meat. So when you have that understanding of the macronutrients, and then you combine that with an understanding of who we are, how, I mean, I believe in evolution. I think most people today do. Um, forgive me, anybody out there who doesn't believe in evolution, <laughs> but we believe in evolution. Who are we most related to? Obviously the great apes, right? We know that. You could just look at the great apes. We look a lot more like a chimpanzee or a gorilla than we look like a cat, right? And what do they eat? 
They eat a diet that is 95 to 99% plant-based. Now, the chimpanzees, I just, I have full confession, right? The chimpanzees have been known what happens to the male chimpanzees about a few times a year. (sighs) I feel bad about this. (laughs) Male chimpanzees will go into the trees and they will surround a monkey. And they will trap the monkey and kill the monkey, and they will smash down the monkey and break its neck, and they will tear it apart, and they will give some of that living flesh to the female chimpanzees in exchange for sex. Now, that is appalling behavior. I'm I'm not going to justify that for a minute. But they're they're not doing it for nutritional reasons. They're doing it to get laid. So, you know. <laughs> you yeah, learn well, something well, new yeah. every day. No, you have you to factor it. that. That's Hold why on a second. people are this this eating meat. Behavior. I've taken women out to dinner in hopes of getting laid, yeah. Glenn. This is, you know, kind of how it works, right? I'm, I'm trying to buy them food to get laid. <laughs> I know, but you probably didn't smash a monkey. No, no, I didn't. I, I had that, someone else I do hope. it. <laughs> yeah. But I do have to tell you, Glenn, you're talking about evolution. You're talking about uh, media needing to surround this issue. When I went to tell my son why too much beef consumption could actually hurt him, I noticed, and I'm guessing this is why, when you Google it, it tells you why red meat is good for you. And I have no doubt that there's there's so much money behind that. I laughed. I had to look a little deeper. In my search to say, okay, let's look into the, the actual yeah. effects Someone's here. sponsoring yeah. those links. Yep, exactly. And and that generation, too, it's how they find things out. I want to see if something's true. Mm. You know, or something like it, I suppose. I dairy, dairy has a tremendous amount of calcium. So then the dairy industry said, let's go with that, and let's say you need calcium for your bones. Meat has a an excessive mm-hmm. amount of protein and it's harmful protein. It is sulfuric carcinogenic protein, but it has a lot of protein. So the meat industry said, let's go with that. You know, just cause some, uh, it, you can't ignore what else it has in it. You know, it's got too much saturated fat. Mm-hmm. It's got cholesterol, which we don't need to, in, to ingest. Um, and it's uh, got, uh, causes inflammation. It's got high bacterial counts. There's just no reason. It's got no fiber, you know. So it it serves no purpose, Eric. To your question, you don't need it. And all of us, we, when you say we have different nutritional needs, well, it may be that you know I have lower iron than rich or something, and maybe I need to, you know, if I did my blood work and checked all my nutrients, maybe I need a little more iron and rich needs a little more magnesium or something. But the reality is we all human beings basically are similar. We, we all need fiber. We all need to eat a diet that is not excessive in protein and excessive in fat. Um, we all need to have a certain, I mean, a, a big athlete needs more calories than a petite woman. But we all need a certain amount of calories, and we need them not to be excessive. Um, And so we're all, you know, we have little, I mean, if you're allergic to strawberries, then you don't need strawberries. So, yes, we're all a little different, but we're similar. 
And the reality is there are so many countless stories of people regaining their health because they go on a low-fat plant-based diet. They lose 100 pounds, they lose 50 pounds, they lose whatever they need to lose. And suddenly their, their lupus resolves or their MS resolves or their heart disease resolves. And there are no stories of anybody who does that with roast beef. It just doesn't happen. There's nobody who got healthier on fried chicken. Never, <laughs> never, not once. So it doesn't happen. Cream cheese never helps anybody. So there you go. There is no reason for it, Eric. And are you a vegan now? I am going to strongly consider <laughs> what you have brought to the table. That I'll is go with that. I'll take that. <laughs> no, you're no, going to you have to make kale no, taste good. Have to eat it. Stop, like, do that for me. <laughs> Cilantro. Yep. Listen, you don't have to eat. If you don't like kale, you could try collard greens. You could just try uh, romaine lettuce. Uh, you don't have to have, like. Kale. I, I pick spinach over kale, and that's that's what I do because I'm not a huge kale spinach? kale fan. So, um, you know, oh, yeah. you want to have some leafy greens? Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. Uh, unfortunately, we are running out of time. I, I wish that we had more time. We're going to have to have you back because I feel like we're barely like scratching the surface here. I had questions for you about eco refugees and getting to four trillion trees and uh, and all of this kind of stuff, and and we haven't got time for. All all of that, but we do have time for is if you could please pimp your book. Where can we get the book at? How do we order it? How do we okay. get it in our hands? Okay, well, there's my website, which is glennmerzer.com. That's Merzer with a Z and Glenn with one N. Um, so please go to my website. Uh, Food is Climate is available on Amazon. Uh, my book, Own Your Health, which is a book on nutrition with recipes by Chef AJ. Uh, is available in all bookstores and on Amazon. Um, and, of course, there are my other books like Mad Cowboy. Um, and um, uh, what else? Uh, I also have a newsletter called the Own Your Health Newsletter. So if you go to my website, glennmercer.com, you could sign up for the Own Your Health Newsletter. I send out a – I try to do one a month, but it's usually more like one every other month. So one email every other month. Obviously, it's free, and I'd appreciate it if people signed up for my news. All excellent stuff. Glenn, we appreciate you so much being here. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Rich and Eric and Sarah. Thank you. All right, time to tell you about Veg Reg. Yeah, VegReg.com helps you find plant-based restaurants and businesses in just one click. And if you are a vegan-friendly business, they can help you get found. If you're searching for healthy, cruelty-free meal options in your local area, VegReg is the perfect solution. Another great thing about VegReg, they have recipes. And when I say recipes, I mean real recipes. A Bacon Lover's BLT, Cookie Dough Protein Bites, Penne Arrabbiata, now that's the entree and not the character from The Sopranos, and even a vanilla bean, that's vanilla bean, he said, cheesecake, and they are all plant-based. You can also find Spotlight Vegan Businesses and more when you click on over to VegReg.com. I would say tell them that Rich sent you, but you know, it's a website and no one would hear you. That's VegReg.com. Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. 
you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. She's a mom with vegetables. She's so delectable. The cows and pigs, she set them free. Can't you see? She's a hot chickpea. Veggie stew, just for you. Sit on down, there's these or two. Harris leads us into news time with one Sarah Carlson of the Hoop Earrings. Sarah, take it away. Hey, guys. Okay, the first story is an exciting one and not far from where we live in Madison, Wisconsin, in Chicago. Finally, this is from Veg News, a 100% vegan grocery store. Um, This opened July 31st. They say it's kind of rivaling Whole Foods, but entirely vegan. It's a a Canada-based company, Plant X. Say that five times fast. Just opened what it's believed to be the largest vegan grocery store in the world. It is in the Uptown neighborhood in Chicago. Um, So they have 6,000 square feet. Can you imagine? Wow. So it's got the Mecca they say a vegan product, everything from ice cream, meat, and cheese, as we would expect to the grab and go section, kind of like what Whole Foods has, but theirs is all vegan. And then of course, uh, they're talking a lot about their produce aisle. So they've also had a couple of other places, only a few in the world, California. And I think that was the first one they opened. Canada. Of course. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it always is Canada and Israel. Yes. Um, so Because this is a new store in Chicago, as I mentioned, by the end of the fall, not far around the corner, the space is also going to become a food hall supporting a rotating lineup of vendors. So just because so many more vendors and companies are making these kinds of products, Plant X is being smart and getting ready to do all sorts of things. The up and down burger is mentioned. Yep. Um, Yeah, they had this. Big What's celebration, July 31st. Yeah, Up and Down, Just, I think, uh, is is from Upton Naturals, uh, so that they have, like, yeah. their, their whole section of food. Upton Naturals is, like, right by there, I guess. It's in that, that yeah. neighborhood, like, like Sarah was talking about. And Upton was the one that I was talking about that makes the really good seitan bacon and the Buona beef sandwiches that aren't beef but also made out of, out of seitan. They got some amazing freaking food at, at Upton Naturals, and we really got to get that guy on. I think his name is Daniel Stackman, and we're, we're going to have to have him on the program and talk about all this because uh, Upton Naturals is is great. But I've been to some vegan food stores and vegan grocery stores, and they're usually tiny. I mean, they're in (laughs) some downtown in some old spot, you know, with like creaky wooden floors and like those tin ceiling tiles that are up there and they're painted. And you're kind of worried about like lead chips falling off of those tiles into your food. You know, it's usually what you run into when you go into a vegan grocery store. So the fact that there's like a grocery store that actually is the size of a grocery store and everything is vegan is a huge deal. 
I mean, it, it really is that that you know because every store, every grocery store, whether you go to you know Kroger, Pick and Save, uh, you know around here Woodman's or you know, something like that, they all have like their vegan sections. But it's an aisle or two, you know, and then you got the oh the, at best yeah, and then and then it's the whole produce <laughs> section is all vegan, you know, thankfully. Right. But but that's that's it. That's what every store has, and so I, I'm going to make a trip down there just to go to the store because for me it's going to be like Wonderland. Eventually, it's got to get close to kind of like what a, a farmer's market would be, right? Like it's almost mm-hmm. the same thing. You're going to start bringing in. Uh, local fresh produce from that area or you know i don't know if that's their plan but you know i think that's where that's heading if we're going to be talking about vegan food options well i, well, I to hope be so. honest if it's in chicago it'll end up being uh produce from up here in wisconsin yeah, there will be a lot of it, a lot, a of, lot of it from, from Illinois. And, you know, we, we just had Glenn Merzer that we were talking to and stuff like that. I'm sure he would approve uh, of this as well, you know, especially the way things are going. But it's just it's just not something you see every day. And I think it is right. going to be on a lot of vegans' maps. I mean, they're going to pin it on their, their Apple Maps or whatever um, and go to that store because that is – uh, you use the word Mecca. I mean, it's something that people are going to have oh, yeah. to flock to. And hopefully they do. And then they start opening new ones. And maybe we could see one in Madison, Wisconsin. I think that would be great. You would think that Madison, would Wisconsin great. would be a great next place. But I have to tell you that the one in San Diego, the first one that they opened, it also has uh, well, I lost it, cosmetics. Hmm. Oh, so, vegan cosmetics. Things, right. Jessica Alba really has a whole line of vegan cosmetics. Do you remember her? Yes, I saw an interview with her about that. Oh. That's, Do you remember cute. her? <laughs> what is this? Well, what year is I, it that we have to remember? Oh, my like, goodness. I thought she was, I mean, maybe she's not super relevant anymore, but she's not. Aside from the. Jessica Alba. Yeah, she'll always be relevant in my life. Oh, my goodness. That that show when Dark Angel came out, I was in love. But I think I was, like, recently married, so I had to kind of hide my crush for Jessica Alba. But now that she does, like, all this vegan stuff as well, like, the crush has only grown. So hopefully my wife's not going to listen to this, but I think she knows that I got Not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Easy now. Celebrity crushes, celebrity crushes are allowed. Yes, they are. Absolutely. So I already told my and one for uh, for Alexandra, who was on earlier I mean, if, this week, know, and she wants to participate in the slump buster. <laughs> you might want to, you know, just have the few for the week. Yeah. We but it's exciting, and especially when a celebrity gets involved, it doesn't matter if they help the cause; they're helping the cause. Absolutely. So, another story yeah. from Veg News. How vegan ribs are helping Anheuser-Busch make more sustainable beer. And I did tell you, I made vegan oh. ribs out of seitan. It was Shane Martin's recipe. Shane, who we had on the show from shaneandsimple.com. They were fantastic. I loved them. They are so good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is just off of, like, just saw this one while we were doing the podcast, so decided to do it. Um so drinking a cold bud or Stella, which is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and having juicy vegan ribs is uh, a big deal for the climate crisis because AB InBev, I don't know this company, but you, might, Rich always does. Yep. He's nodding. The parent company behind some of the largest beer brands in the world is in a partnership with food technology planetarians to turn its spent brewer's yeast into vegan Planet Ribs, and that's a brand at this point, and other sustainable meat alternatives. Awesome. So there's this cycle. How cool is that? It is fantastic. So is it 
unused is expired hops and stuff like that that's becoming they part call of it the good, they, they call it upcycled ingredients so Got i know it. rich has talked about making ribs but this is so planet ribs well and budweiser uses rice yeah, they they do add so some rice as, as an adjunct it's yeah. called in into their grist um i again i'm, I'm a home brewer i'm kind of nerdy when, when it comes to brewing stuff yeah now there is a brewery if you ever get a chance to go if you're ever in milwaukee wisconsin go to lake lakefront Front. yes oh my yeah. goodness lakefront brewery has the greatest tours that you've ever been on Huh. Now oh, yeah. it's just a little brewery, but all the people that give the tours are stand-up comedians. And so, was that the one that was in Wayne's World too? I don't think so. I think it Lake was. Yes. I don't even know if they were around. Yes. then. Are you serious? Mm, all right. Anyways, Lakefront is know. is amazing. So they'll they'll actually start giving you beer before you go on 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 the tour, and they have these plastic cups, and the plastic actually is made from spent grains. So the grains that they use to make the beer, they then ship out and a company turns them into plastic cups. Um, I didn't even know you could make plastic that way, but it's really cool. So they, they end up talking about that. But we had a guy the one time, and I've been on this tour like maybe like five times because they give you like a glass. They even give you like a coupon to go to another bar in Milwaukee. There's like eight bars you could choose from. And then you get a free pint of Lakefront there that's on tap at that bar. I mean, they're they're really trying to get you good and buzzed, and their beer is fantastic. They even have gluten-free beer. They were like one of the first to ever do that. But anyways, we're on this tour, me and my wife, and we're walking around, and we get to the point where they're talking about barreling the beer and so he's showing like an old barrel and old barrels have bung holes that's what it's called so on the side of the barrel there would be a bung hole that you would fill with the beer and then you would take the cork and you yes. would fill the bung hole all right um there that was the bung i guess and you would put the bung yeah. into the bung hole yes and so now the guy is explaining how to do this all right so they would actually have to loop the bung hole and then press the bung into the bung hole to seal it properly and out of all of this he ended up picking there's maybe like 40 or 50 of us on the tour he picked a bung hole queen all right my wife was very disappointed that she was not the bunghole queen. Um, I thought it was, <laughs> I think she really wanted to be picked for something. Yeah, like you know, and and try it out again. But um, it, it, bunghole queen, bungs, bungholes, all barrel related and beer related. And, and by the way, if you're enjoying our podcast and air conditioning today, you have beer to thank for that. So the guy that came up with air conditioning was trying to find a way to ship beer in the cold. And I think it was Carrier was his name. You still get Carrier air conditioners. He invented air conditioning to keep beer cold while it was being shipped. So thank you, beer, for the air conditioning that we enjoy in our lives. There you go. And I know we're, we're far away from your story, Sarah, but um, a little offshoot. No, there. that's okay. The only other thing I wanted to tell you, because this is exciting and related to a story I'll probably be talking about tomorrow, this upcycled ingredient, uh, making planet ribs ribs, supposedly just as good as ribs. You know what others will say, but we don't care. You eat them. You try them, Eric. That's what you do. But <laughs> the price... Why was he Eric? No, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So anyway, comparable in price. So like $5 for a 16-ounce rack? Is that... I, I don't even know. I don't buy... So five ribs. bucks a pound for a rack of ribs is pretty good. Yeah, that would be... Exactly. Yeah, that's... 
So they're working on they're working on making these. They're working on a food truck. How cool is all that? That is very cool and a good spot for us to stop. I just want to remind you that you can check us out, realmeneatplants.com. Go there, subscribe to the podcast today. Tell a friend about it. Uh, jump on there. Hit the support button as well so you can support not only our podcast, but go ahead and support Paul's party as well with Paul Palooza coming up with some good beer from Wisconsin Brewing Company as well. That is coming up at the end of the month. Hey, great job today, guys. I loved it. We will yeah, absolutely. Fun. We will do it all again tomorrow on the Real Men E Plants podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye.